Hey again, travel bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, TripStreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about TripStreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 155 of the Travel Like Boss Podcast. I'm here with Tyler Moss hey, in everyone. Bali. Yes. Man, so this is probably the fastest recap episode or you know return guest episode I've ever done. Cool. You're on episode 139, which is December 1st. Yeah, which right was after that first sale. Yeah, and that wasn't that long <laughs> ago. That was like three months ago, four months ago now? Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. And... The reason why I want to have you back on is you've done so much since then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when I left left the job back in September, you know, I told myself I was going to travel as much and as often as possible. So, uh, it's nice being in the same spot. It's definitely helpful when get, for getting work done. But, you know, holding true to that promise to myself, uh, I set out. As soon as that burning season started in Chiang Mai, I, I packed up my two backpacks and hit the road. I like it. So, when did you leave Chiang Mai? Ah, uh, gosh, it was right after the summit, so February 6th, Okay, that sounds right. Yep. And then, where did you go first? Ah, uh, you want the you want the full line? Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so it, I went straight to Japan, and it was cold. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I had been in South Southeast Asia, so uh-huh. I had shorts and, and flip-flops and tank tops and uh, one, one uh, um, uh, sweatshirt, but I had to layer up. I had, you know, six shirts on, a couple long sleeves. But anyway, I went from Japan. So here's the route I took. I went from Japan to Korea to China to Hong Kong to Macau to Taiwan to the Philippines to Brunei, and then had to spend a day in Malaysia because the flight got canceled, and then down here to Bali. Wow, that's what six countries? Yeah, yeah. If you if you count Hong Kong and Macau, I think it, you know it depends on on you know where your allegiance lies, <laughs> yeah. whether or not they're independent states or not. But yes, yeah, six to eight, I guess. Okay. Well, I definitely want to break down all of them. Uh, now we're in Bali, so this is a whole other one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I had planned to go back to maybe to Singapore because I've got plans to go back home for the summertime. Uh, and my flight leaves out of Singapore because that's where I you know, I was working and everything started. Um, but, you know, I was talking to Rob and talking to you and talking to a couple of the other guys that were down here. I was like, ah, I got to go back to Bali because I've already been here. I was, I was here eight months ago for a vacation when I was working. Uh, and it's great. So I, I decided to come back down, get a place for the month, and put my head down, get some work, and, and work on my surfing. Working on the surfing. Yeah, I'm terrible. Well. <laughs> That's all right. I'm not very good either, but I think just try, you know, practicing being in the water is good. Yeah. I think the craziest thing about being here in Bali right now is how many people from Chiang Mai yeah. are also here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, but it's helpful. You know, it's nice seeing familiar faces, uh, especially in the different countries. So, you know, it's... And it's been extremely helpful for me because I'm actually in the same place as Rob. And um, he's been able to show me around, show me all the good spots and get me settled in. So literally got off the plane, spent one day in a hotel, and then the next day I had my apartment. So it was and all set up, right? a real, real smooth process. So Rob Botto was on episode right. 
152, uh, so just a couple of weeks ago, and he's, he's he's still in Bali, right? So hanging out. Yeah, he's here. He's gonna stay another month or two. Right? I'm not sure. You know, I I think we've actually decided to do the same thing too. Yeah. So the Poland thing kind of. You know what? I want to go to Poland. Uh, I don't want to go when it's cold, so I've been waiting <laughs> for it to to warm up. Yeah. And we're thinking like, oh, I guess we could go at the end of the month and you know spend May there. And May isn't warm yet, but it's not freezing. Yeah. But but then we're like, ah, like why why are we going? You know, and and I think for me, if I wanted to live somewhere for like four months and have good infrastructure, good internet, good co-working spaces, I yeah. would definitely go. But right now, especially because I saw that second store, I have nothing to do. So I'm like, why am I even in a rush to go somewhere with good infrastructure or good internet? Yeah, it's true. Very true. Maybe now's the time to check a few countries off your list. Yeah. So because might, I can promise yeah. you some of those eight that I said earlier, not great infrastructure. Okay. And, well, you know, uh, yeah, let's actually, so let's break it down. So the first one you went to was Japan. Yeah. And you went in the middle of the winter. Yeah, and, and it was freezing. But, you know, I made it work and yeah. uh, layered up every yeah. day and kind of wore, it's as disgusting as it sounds, but kind of wore the same clothes every day because yeah. it's all I had. That's all right. Uh, and, I, you know, I I could have bought a, a jacket, but I literally have no room in my backpacks. I have two small backpacks that I travel with. Both are carry-on size. That was the decision I make. You see some of the guys that are traveling around, they have these massive backpacks, and I just didn't want to be that, that guy. So... Uh, two small backpacks, which makes me pack very light. I got to be very selective, and I didn't do a good job of packing the warm <laughs> clothes. Yeah, I think most people, when they think of Japan, they think of a warm or hot place. Yeah, no, I mean they they see all four seasons, and uh, definitely, you know, I've, I flew into Tokyo and it was snowing. Um, nothing really stuck. You know, you don't see the the feet of snow you'd see back in the states in Michigan where I'm I'm from. Um, but it was cold every you know thirty degrees. Mm. It just, what made you want to go to Japan? Well, you know, I want to see every country. That That is a goal of mine. Um, so it needs to be crossed up. But Tokyo is always high on my list. I've heard such great things about the city. Uh, so much fun to, to be had. And I hate to admit it, I was disappointed. Oh, man. I, I and, and what's crazy is I've got a couple friends that have been to Tokyo. And they've all raved about it. And it just didn't click for me. What, what didn't you like about it? You know, like the city itself... Um, it didn't really have that great downtown that a lot of cities have. The skyline was kind of bland with these big square boxy buildings. Um, you know, and I, I didn't do much of the nightlife, so maybe I missed out there because uh, I was traveling solo. So, you know, I, I'm not always looking for the, the party. Was it hard to meet people in Tokyo or in Japan? No, you know, because I, I, I stay at hostels. So it's it's pretty easy meeting people, but doesn't mean you want to go out and have a hard night with them or something. Um but, you know, it is easy to meet someone and, and maybe go see the sights with. And, okay. Uh, I actually spent a couple of days with a couple in Kyoto, uh, a mom and a daughter, actually. They were traveling and just kind of clicked. And They were a couple? Nah, they, <laughs> a couple of people is okay. what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, not a couple. Say, that's kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, different cultures, right? Yeah. But so, so out of all the sites, which ones were actually worth going to? Uh, in Tokyo or, or Japan, Japan itself, yeah. Like, what was amazing? And like, what, what what was? I really bad. like Kyoto. It gives you that Japanese feel when you think of uh, like I don't know teak buildings and, and the mm-hmm. architecture. Uh, it was a little more mellow than than a Tokyo was, which is very busy and you know people rushing by you left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you gotta try the sushi, obviously. Yeah. I, know, how was the food? It was good. It was really good. But I, was it know, that much better than? It's like, a, it's a whole thing, right? Like. You know, you can you can blindfold someone and give them a hundred dollar bottle of wine and a ten dollar okay. bottle of wine, and they probably can't tell you the difference. You know, was the sushi 
so much better than the sushi you can get in New York. I don't know, but you, but know, you still got to have, yeah. Okay. And the fish market in, in Tokyo, I think it's the largest fish market in the world. So watching these guys toss around the sushi you're about to eat, uh, it's a good experience. Did you eat at the fish market? I didn't eat at the fish market. You can. Okay. And I've heard it's great, but I... Yeah, I've heard that's a good experience. Yeah, so. I just, uh, yeah, didn't do it. So how, how, like, how much more expensive was it? Tokyo. Tokyo is very expensive, and especially eating out is very okay. expensive. So, you know, you, you have that, if you're on a budget... You have that sushi dinner, and you're only going to have it once. Wow. So how much did you spend on dinner? You know, it's I ate um, you know, a couple rolls, and it cost me $30, $40. Man. Yeah. You know what's crazy so, is I'm so used to having sushi in Chiang Mai in Thailand. Yeah. Where it's actually very good, surprisingly good. Never had it there. It's so good. And there's like a million Japanese restaurants in Chiang Mai for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's cheap. Yeah. I've never spent more than $12 or maybe maybe $15 in Chiang Mai, a sushi restaurant. Yeah. And this is me ordering like plates and plates and plates of sushi and sashimi. Yeah. No, you, you'd be in for a rude awakening once you saw the bill in, in Tokyo. Uh, but it's not just sushi. It's, a, it's everywhere. You, if you go out to eat, it's very expensive. Yeah. How uh, much are you spending on your your dorm? Uh, you can, I you know, in Japan, I didn't pay over $10 a night. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so, so combination is cheap then. The way I, the way I do it, I, I usually just hop on hostelworld.com and... Um, I look for something that has over eight stars, and that's less than fifteen dollars. Okay, those two things check off, and it works. Then it's it, you know. So you go, you go heavy on the reviews because I have, I have had some bad experiences, yep. uh, so, and I found that anything over eight, you're in good company. So here's here's a travel tip: is Hostel World, and I think that all the other ones like oh, like Hostels.com and. There's like three three or four. Booking. I've used booking, but uh, I'm not a big fan of booking. Turns out all of them are actually owned by the same company. So strange. And that's how they kind of get a monopoly on like prices and things like that. So the next time you book a hostel, go to hostels with a Z.com. Like just hostelz.com. And what they do is it's an aggregator where they'll pull the prices from Hostel World, from Hostels.com, from all the other ones and have it all in one place. Interesting. Yeah, very good. No, I'll do that for sure. It's always strange. Like, uh, why why have all these different sites competing against each other, right? Because they know that they're going to... So, I, I think one of two things happens. One is they buy out a competitor, and then they just keep it under their portfolio. Yeah. Or two, they're proactive, and they know that people are going to shop around. So, they might as well create their own competition, which is genius. Yeah, okay. When you put it that way, that's a good idea. Really smart people, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, smart <than> me. <laughs> But all right, so combination not expensive, but food is expensive. Food is expensive. Overall, Transportation is expensive. Okay. Because I took the train from uh, Mount Fuji down to Kyoto. Sorry. I took the train from Tokyo to Mount Fuji, and I think it was 70, 80 bucks. And it's only a couple hour train. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then I took a bus. This was a miserable experience. I took an overnight bus from uh, Mount Fuji to Kyoto, which is nine hours. And I can't remember what that cost me. Sorry. Maybe thirty bucks. Okay, so it was cheaper. So it's cheap, but cheaper, but but I had to sleep on a bus. And know? was it like lay flat? It was like forty five degrees at okay. best. That's not good. Like it, it just hurts. You, yeah. you, you you arrive in Kyoto at seven a.m. Nothing's really open. And you did you like, have an option to fly or something else? Out of Mount Fuji, not really. Okay, you probably could have taken a train, but I think that would have required me staying over another night in Mount Fuji. Okay. Or whatever that town was that was at the base of it. Okay. So overall, Japan, you, would Kyoto you go back? was my highlight. Okay. Kyoto was my highlight. And that's not to say, I think, you know, everyone should go to Tokyo and form their own opinion because as of right now, I'm definitely in the minority. 
uh, it just didn't click for me. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, people I met either love Japan or they they don't want really to talk about it too much. So it's just another it's, city to yeah. me. It's big. It's really big. Okay. Massive. I haven't done it yet. I would go just for the food. I'm gonna yeah. wait until I can like ball out and just eat all the food, it's get reservations yeah. at that um the what's yeah. his name um what's that documentary about the sushi guy? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jiro Junior Sushi. I want to be able. To, I, I want to get reservations for his restaurant. And his son, with his protege, and just eat all of, all the bomb food. But yeah. I don't like seafood, so that's probably a reason why I haven't done it. <laughs> but you like sushi? You know, it's weird. I don't even. I don't even. I don't like fish. Uh, and I. But because like good sashimi or good sushi doesn't actually taste like fish. That's true. Like I and I like the rest of it. I like you know the idea of having like I like the seaweed. I like the the rice. I like the yeah. soy sauce. I like the wasabi. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like yeah. the experience. So I end up eating it pretty often. Yeah. Even though I don't actually like the fish. Yeah. So sometimes maybe I should just order avocado rose because that's, that's <laughs> actually what I like. All right. So after Japan was what? Uh Korea. Okay. And Korea was you know to be honest it, it wasn't high on my priority list my travel plans but. You know, I don't know when I'm going to be in, back in that part of the world, so I, I was going to go do it anyway. And I needed to go to the, uh, the Chinese consulate in Korea to get my Chinese visa. So there was a twofold reason I was headed there. And I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with Seoul, South Korea. It's an awesome city, um, reasonably priced food and everything else, accommodation everywhere I stayed. I actually did a couch surfing while I was there and stayed in a, a, a local person's home. And it was this cool little teak, uh, very authentic, you know, Korean house uh, with this garden. And uh, it's cool. I've got a photo. I'll send it to you. Maybe you can put it on the post. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so that was a great experience. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I look back on the, what, seven, eight days I spent there. And I was like, you know, to be honest, this is a place that I could see myself coming back and staying for a month or two and, and working. Because the Wi-Fi is fast. There's coffee shops everywhere. You, I mean, if you're a Starbucks person, there's literally 100 Starbucks there. If you're a, a local type of uh, coffee shop guy or girl, <laughs> uh, there's a there's plenty of places. And this is in North Korea? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> where, where freedom rings. <laughs> actually, so I've been to Seoul just for like I've, – I've actually been there a bunch of times as a layover. Uh, and often it's like an eight or ten hour layover. So yeah. what they do is they – they have these like programs where they'll take you into the city on a free tour. Ah, cool. And the airport itself, number one, is great. So if you ever need a layover from Asia, you should definitely do it in Seoul because not only do you have the free tours if it's a long layover, but even on short ones, there's like a uh, like a steam bath, um, oh, wow. uh, like spa in the basement of the airport. You could spend hours there. You can nap there. You can like go on an ice bath and go into like steam room saunas. It's great. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. Food's good. Yeah, infrastructure is great. Wi Fi is amazing. The infrastructure is great. You can get anywhere in, in Seoul very easily by using the underground or the bus system. I use both. How was the English there? Good. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I had zero issues traveling. Yeah. In, in, and in Japan? So, um, little less so. Okay. Yeah, a little less so. Just okay. the local places that uh, I was at. Um, you kind of had to do your, the whole pointing yeah. and I want this type of thing. I'm actually kind of surprised that Korea or especially Seoul is not a nomad hotspot because they've opened a bunch of co-working spaces and I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but for a while, they were giving away free memberships just to encourage people to come. Yeah. It was like government sponsored where they said, just come, <laughs> you know, just work here. You can you, like, it's free. You know? I mean, it was still winter there. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a cold weather person, I can see that being a turnoff, mm-hmm. but 
Uh, I went hiking. Uh, there's a mountain. There's a national park just outside of the city. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of good things to say about, about okay. Seoul. So Seoul, what Korea? That could be the next, the next big spot. We'll see. All right. So what was after Seoul or after Korea? Yeah. So while I was in Seoul, I went through the Chinese visa process, which is a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. So I, I, I'm the kind of guy that literally books stuff a day ahead. Of, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, this looks cool. Let's go. Let's go do this. Uh, so it really put a wrinkle in my plans when I showed up to the visa center and they're like, no, you have to have an itinerary. You have to have your entire, I'm like, I'm going to stay 21 days. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. Uh, they're like, well, you need to book everything now because they have to have proof of your hotels. They have to have proof of your flights. They have to have an, you have to have an entry flight and an exit flight. I'm like, I don't even know what city I'm going to fly out of at this point. So I was super frustrated. I actually sat in the visa center and booked everything that day in two to three hours. That sucks because I'm sure... First off, you know, part of being a digital nomad or location dependent is having the freedom and flexibility to be able to just travel the way we want. Yeah. And also, I think that that type of traveling is no longer a thing in our generation. I think back in the day, that, you know, that like that's what our parents used to do. They used to plan the entire two week vacation. Yeah. Get all the hotels, you know, have all the landmarks cited. But that's not good traveling because if you don't like it, you can't leave. Yeah, exactly. If you do like it, you can't stay longer. Exactly. And that's. That is what I like you know, because all the places I've been, uh, like Tokyo, I've been disappointed. But there's other places I've been surprised with and I've wanted to stay longer. And not having a flight or something else booked, you can do that. And so how, in China, you can't. So how do you like China? <laughs> um, you know, I've gotten a, some flack for this on my Instagram account because uh, I, I don't like China. I hated China. Yeah. Good. Uh, Good I, that you spoke out. You know, I... I I just, you know, people are saying I'm insensitive to the culture and whatnot, but no. to be honest, I, I, I disagree with the culture. Yeah. I think there's... You don't have to like a culture. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I've been saying to the, the, the pundits on, uh, on Instagram. No, and- fuck them. You know what? If you got, uh, check out that the the hashtag fuck China. <laughs> like, You'll find a lot of my photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, China sucks. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know why anybody likes it. No, I mean, like, something as simple as me going up to asking a stranger, like, directions. And uh, a lot of times, you know, they didn't speak English, which is understandable. You don't, you know, it's not a requirement to speak English. But they would, like, shoo me away. Like, yeah, I was, rude, like, a, right? like, a, yeah. like a seagull or uh, like a, some sort of stray dog. I'm like, all right, man. Jeez. Like, <laughs> That's fucked up. And then you're lucky, lucky they didn't spit on you. <laughs> oh, they spit everywhere. It's the strange. That is the, that is one of the strangest cultural things I've yeah. witnessed so far is they... They just are literally spitting and uh, like hawking loogies the yeah. entire time. I don't understand it. So, to play devil's advocate, I guess the reason why they spit so much, and this is no excuse. I would love a reason. This the, the reason is because it's so fucking polluted in China that everybody's dying. <laughs> like seriously, everybody's sick. I was in China for like a week and I started hawking loogies. Uh, I was, I applied enough to do it into a tissue or something. They'll do it in front of everyone at the dinner table. Like, it's just like, it's disgusting. I've I've literally lost my appetite, man. So what what? I started doing is every time a Chinese person, especially a tourist, uh, because if I'm in, okay, if I'm in China, fuck it, right? I'm not there to change. Yeah, of course. Three billion people. But if they are on vacation and they're a tourist, and they do something rude or inappropriate, I call them out on it now. Yeah. And I think this is what everyone should do. Every time you, you guys see like like a Chinese like a Chinese tourist do something rude, whether it's cut in line or just fucking talk way super loud at yeah. a restaurant and just bother everyone, or just you know, you know or spit on the ground, 
just call them out and just be like, hey, you, like, you can't do that. That's rude. It's, fu- it's funny that you say that because I actually got into altercation with a Chinese guy in the Taiwan airport mm. after I left China uh, because we were standing in an immigration line and there was 200 people in line. And if you've been to China, you know that they don't believe in standing in lines for whatever reason. They'll literally just cut you. doesn't matter if you're paying. They'll, they'll step right in front of you. Uh, this guy stepped in front of me to get one spot closer. And I literally, you know, just put my hand on his chest and pushed him behind me. And I was like, no. Like, look, you know, we're all in this line together. You going – and he points out – because I was on my phone and there was uh, 10 feet of space in between me and the next person. He's like, well, you need to go up further. I'm like – me going up 10 feet isn't going to get you to the gate agent any, any quicker. Faster, yeah. So, you know, let's, let's be, uh, you know, let's use some common sense here. So uh, anyway, he was jabbering in my ear for, for a good 10 minutes oh, afterwards. God. And I was just like, dude, bigger fish to fry right now. All right. So overall, how was China? Okay. Great wall is a must see. And anyone that is planning to go to China, very good news on that. You can actually do a three day stopover without getting the Chinese visa. Just do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and then after that, I went to Xi'an, which is in the middle of the country. The train ride out there is very cool because the Chinese countryside is very beautiful. I'm sure it's it got is, mountains. Yeah. It's got valleys. It's got everything. It's massive. Um, Xi'an, the city, is an absolute shithole. Uh, but just outside of Xi'an is um, uh, the Terracotta Army, which is a very cool piece of history. You know, this guy, you know, his final resting place, he created, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000 unique soldiers to take with him to the afterlife, yeah. which is pretty badass. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so that was cool. But, you know, because I had to book all my stuff beforehand, I spent five days in Xi'an, which was four and a half days too long. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was really disappointed in that. I uh, had a bad experience. I actually tried to just eat, bite the bullet on my uh, place in Xi'an and go to the next town. Uh, I went there to go hiking because there's a mountain just outside of it. And the hotel ended up not being a hotel. It ended up being like a squatter's place where I walked in. No one was there. Like shingles were coming off. The, it was very sketchy. And you booked it online? I booked it online. You paid for it? I didn't pay for it. It was like pay in person. I booked it off booking.com. Oh, my God. I hope like, you wrote a bad review about that place. I'm like, I just never use booking again. Uh, but it was the strangest. I like walked in. And I was like, hello? <laughs> you know, like no one's there. I go upstairs thinking maybe the reception's on the second floor. There's just trash and beer bottles everywhere. And the doors are open on some of the rooms and like some of the doors are off the hinges and there's people lying in it. And I'm like, this is either a drug house or it's like people just squatting in That's here. That's so crazy. It was, so I had both my backpacks on it, went hiking that day and then went back to Xi'an to, to stay in the hotel I already had booked. That's insane. Okay. Anyway, uh, after that, I went to Shanghai. Very cool city. You can also do the three day stopover in Shanghai. So you can do three days in Beijing, three days in Shanghai. And if those are the only two kind of places you want to see, you're in luck because you don't need that Chinese visa. Uh, very cool city. Uh, but the issue is, you know, and it's very modern. But the issue in all of China is that the Internet's censored. So working on my websites was impossible because I rely so much on Facebook and Google. And those are the two ones that they probably censor the most. Yep. Um, so, you know, I was working behind VPNs and it was so slow. You know, it was just miserable. miserable. Well, even just flying through China... As a layover at the fucking airport, you can't check your Gmail. You yeah. can't go on Facebook. You can't go on Instagram. You can't go on Twitter. You can't Google anything. You can't go on YouTube. Yeah. Like literally the whole internet is down. 
it, it's amazing because you know you, 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 everyone knows that China is a communist nation, but you don't understand the extent of the censorship until you're there. The thing, the funny thing is, the people there don't even understand it. Because I complained to the the desk at the um, business class lounge. I was like, "Hey, why does none of this work? Yeah. We're in an air, international airport." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, just use Weibo." Weibo, and I'm like. <laughs> No, no, I'm it's not going to be Chinese. Uh, yeah, first like, I was I Chinese. Like my email is not in Weibo. Yeah. You know, my fa- like my Facebook friends aren't in Weibo. Like I can't use it. No, it, it really is amazing because anything that the state government wants to put out, it's going to go on the websites that aren't censored, mm-hmm. and people are going to read it. They can literally say two plus two is five, and if they say it enough times, people are going to believe it. Yeah, it's insane. So hashtag fuck China. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh Hong Kong. And uh, I have a buddy there from my working days that's living and working there. So I stayed with him. He showed me around. And he's a Irish guy, so we we put put back a few beers and you know had some really good Wi-Fi. It, it was great. I spent five days there. Took a day trip over to Macau. Gambled a little bit. Okay. Lost. Yeah. Lost. Okay. That's, that's all there is to say about that. Uh, Macau is pretty cool though. So you know if you're in Hong Kong or or Macau, you know make sure you take the day trip because it, there's fast ferries that go back and forth. Not expensive, maybe ten bucks or something like that, um, in a couple hours. So uh, I did a visa one run from Chiang Mai to Macau once. Yeah, this is direct flight. It's pretty cheap. Stayed at one of the hotels. I think it was. I don't remember what it was now. Maybe the Palms or something there. Uh, and yeah, yeah I mean, it was okay. It was. It's not like Vegas though. It's not no. like you know. There's no nightlife. There's no. There's no Western people. That, like it's weird that all the white people there don't speak English. Yeah, because they're all like hired Russian models. Yeah, uh, and. It's the food's pretty good, but it's not like you know, it's not like it's not Vegas. It no. just gambling and, and yeah, you know, it's billed as the the Asian Las Vegas, but to be honest, it, it doesn't compare. You don't get the bright lights, you don't get the nightlife, you don't get the elegance and the I don't know the yeah. whole thing that yeah. comes with Vegas. But uh, but the egg the egg tarts are amazing. Do, do you eat them? I don't know if I had egg. I was I was in and out of. They have bakeries oh, everywhere, so I was I had all sorts it's of stuff incredible. that I, I had no idea what it was. This is dude named Lord Stowe that brought these Portuguese egg tarts to, to Macau, and now they're famous in Hong Kong, Taiwan, all over the place. But Macau is the birthplace of the Asian Portuguese egg tart, and I've been to Portugal and I've been to the best ones in Portugal. Yeah, and the ones in Macau are better. Have you, are you are you a foodie? Yeah. Okay. Come on. All right. Yeah. I thought we'd clear the air there. Yeah. Half my Instagram is just food. Yeah. 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 I'm not so much, you know, but uh, I I do like trying. If the if the if there is a local fare to try, I do like trying. Like in Chiang Mai, I think I had pad thai at everything yeah. every day. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think of Hong Kong? Ah, uh, man, that city is big, and they've run out of room. So the only place to go is up. Uh, very cool. Very cool. And and the fact that. It's built into the hill, even cooler. You know, walking around is, is a lot of fun. They've got, you know, bar streets. They've got shopping streets. They've got local streets selling, you know, everything that comes through the port. Uh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of good the things. The internet there, it wasn't censored, right? wasn't censored. Very fast. Uh, but the issue is if you go to, like, uh, a Starbucks or something like that or a Costa Coffee or any of the other brands, for some reason, they limit you to, like, an hour. Uh, I think Starbucks was 30 minutes. So, you can't wow. go there and work. Um, I did find a local place that had good Wi-Fi and, and didn't have a time limit. So. so, interesting story. Sam Marks and Leanne Beasley started Coworker.com because they were in Hong Kong and they couldn't find anywhere to work. Yeah. And 
they were like, oh, I wonder if there's any co-working spaces. And they couldn't find any. And they're like, why the fuck is there not like a TripAdvisor for co-working spaces? So that, that's why they made it. Awesome. Yeah. Nice, great story. Yeah. So Hong Kong, very different from China, even though technically yeah. it's owned by China now. Technically. Again. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've got 50 years after the British. So they've got 50 years as an independent nation of China. What's strange, though, you know, because like I said, it depends on what side of the politics you're on. Because you go into Hong Kong, you get a passport stamp. You go into China, you get a passport stamp. You go into Macau, you get a you get a stamp. So I guess technically they're all different, uh, but you know they're under that Chinese umbrella. And thank God China was smart enough not to change anything, because a lot of people were freaking out after it was in 1999 yeah. when it switched over. People were panicking, and because they just didn't they just didn't touch it, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have had big ramifications because Hong Kong is such a huge financial hub that having restrictions on, you know, whatever internet, yeah, on the internet plus whatever else they restrict, uh, would have would have put a little ripple through the market for sure. How was the food in Hong Kong? Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, didn't I didn't, don't remember trying anything really local. I remember. So I've actually never been to Hong Kong yet, but everyone I I love like Hong Kongese food. So like uh, roast duck or like the like the noodles that they have, and but everyone that I've met who or dim sum, but everyone who met who's actually been to Hong Kong was like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> to be honest, the best food we had in Hong Kong was this Indian place. And they, <laughs> oh man, it was so good. Uh, but the now that you mentioned duck, the best duck I had was in Beijing. Okay. Yeah, Peking duck is one of my best. That's where it's from. Yeah, yeah. and it was one of my best dinners throughout all of the traveling. Okay, it was very nice. good. Very good. So I do have some one good thing to one say. One good about. thing. <laughs> I hated the food in China. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't trust it. Yeah. Because they do all these shady things there, like use like recycled gutter oil and like oh. just oh, disgusting God. things. Like and it's like it, nobody in China gives a fuck about your health. Like they don't care about each other at all. And if somebody can make a buck, they will poison babies. And then they've literally done that. And it's like it's insane. Yeah, like I wonder what I've eaten. Yeah, I didn't and like know I, I like I was in Shanghai for a week, and Shanghai is like the nicest city there. Yeah, it's like the most modern. Like I was eating at like nice places too, and I felt like I just felt unhealthy there yeah. in the week. So I, would, I like, and everyone I met who either lives there long term, they do it because they can make a lot of money there, but nobody wants to be there. Like it's like you know it's yeah you know I I found it in Sh- Shanghai was a bit strange because. Uh, I actually went to a co-working spot looking just to do like a day pass or something just to get Wi-Fi. It was too expensive. But uh, I'm like, gosh, I don't know how anyone can, could function here behind a VPN the entire day. Because, you know, the, whatever VPN you're using, it's going to throttle your, your bandwidth. And it, I just couldn't imagine that. Like, it, it was it was really frustrating. Hashtag fuck China. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So after Hong Kong, where'd you go? Yeah, I went to Taiwan. Had that little scuffle. Not a scuffle, but a little argument with the guy in the immigration and then... Taipei, awesome, awesome city. So I think you told me that in, in Chiang Mai. I told you I was going to head there at some point. Uh, but it's a great city. You know, it's like very modern, great food markets. I went to the food markets every day. Ah, oh, man. This the, lady, best food, this, the best night markets. This one old lady made the best spring rolls. I don't know. I had two or three. And they're big spring rolls, right? I, I think I was checking out, uh, liking some of your photos on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was your account again? Uh, life of Thai. Okay. So life dot of dot Thai. Okay. We'll have that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was just like liking all your food pics. It was good. I, it was so good. I'm not a foodie, but the food there was amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. The street food. They've got two markets, and I, I 
can't remember the names because they're in Taiwanese. Yeah. Uh, but Google Food Markets of Taipei and it's Night Market, yeah. or just it's just asshole. They'll, they'll, they'll like, what's a good Night Market? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or I wrote a post about it, and I ha- I have videos of me touring all the night markets and yeah. like showing what food you should eat. So good. Uh, Wi-Fi super fast, which was really cool because I actually got some work done. And uh, another national park. I, I like to find hikes wherever I go. Um, another national park, bus ride outside the city. Very cool. It's an, uh, I think it's still active volcano because there's still gases coming up. Smelled like the, the sulfur. Um, but really cool hike, you know, through the jungle. And then you get to the top and it's just this grassy mountain, which is really cool. And then Taipei's off in the distance. Nice. Yeah. So overall, what do you think of Taiwan? Ah, I'd love to go back. You know, I, I, I was just in that Taipei area for, what was it, three, four days. Um, I'd love to go to the south of the island, see what's down there. So no, nobody spat on you or no, cut your line? No, God, no. <laughs> you know, isn't, isn't China trying to reclaim Taiwan too? Isn't that part of their big, you know, push to reclaim all the islands in the south China So I don't think people, like most people realize this, but Taiwan is what China used to be. So up until like 70 years ago, like 19, 1949, Taiwan, the culture of Taiwan was in China. And it wasn't until 1949 where there was a, like a, the communist basically just took over. Yeah. And that is a new country. So when, whenever one of them says, fuck China or fuck Chinese people because they're rude, they're talking about communist China since 1949. When people like talk about like the good uh, traditions and culture, you know, of of Chinese people, Chinese culture, they're talking about what is now Taiwan and what yeah. used to be China before 1949. I've got nothing good, but good things to say about the Taiwanese people, Taiwan. I uh, really enjoyed my stay there. Um, again, this isn't a requirement, but they a lot of them spoke English. So traveling throughout the city was very, very easy. Uh, and then the bus, you know. Bus great great infrastructure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The subway system takes you all the way to the airport. Yeah. Super easy. Yeah, so I wrote... A, a blog post about traveling in Taiwan because there are little things that are like, you know, they, they have a lot of rules as in like, let's say you want to use the Wi-Fi at, at Starbucks, you first need to have a SIM card with a phone number to register to get Wi-Fi. Yes. And if you don't have that, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do about it. So there's a way around that. Okay. All right. So here's the, here's the hack, right? Um, because I ran into the same issue. So if you have your phone on airplane mode, mm-hmm. which most people do when they're traveling, um, take it off. Okay. Yeah, just briefly, you know, turn your data roaming off before okay. you do that so you don't get, you know, the charges. Uh, but turn it off. That allows the text messages to come through. And because I have that connected to, like, um, WhatsApp or something like that, it comes the, – the message comes through my WhatsApp. And the phone number, was it your U.S. number? Uh, I did it with both. I did it with my Thailand number and my really? U.S. number. Yeah. I, think, I have two phones I'm traveling with. One okay. with my U.S. number and one with my Chinese. I think I tried that with my Thai number. Did, did, did it go Make through? Make sure you put that little plus sign in front of the number when you're typing okay. it into the, the Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. That's, a big, that's a big one. You got to go plus one if you're U.S., yep. plus six, six if you're Ta- Thailand. Thailand? Uh, okay. Thailand. Or um, you can just make sure you get a SIM card at the airport. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was only there four days, so. It didn't matter. Okay. And, um, yeah. You know, I didn't really even look for it. So overall, Taiwan is good. Yeah, put it on the list for okay. sure. Uh, what was after that? Uh, Philippines. I flew into Manila. Uh, and Manila, you know, it's, gosh, it's a really poor, poor city. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a section of it that's very rich. Uh, but the place I was staying in is very poor. And you could see it. Like uh, a couple photos I post- posted is just 
dirty streets, smelly streets, uh, infrastructure not there, cracked roads, broken buildings. Um, so you may, you, you feel a little bit for the, the, the Philippines that are living there. Uh, a lot of history though. You know, it used to be a, I believe a Portuguese colony, uh, or Spanish colony. Spanish. Yeah, Spanish. That sounds better. Um, so, you know, you walk around and see the sites and, and, and do that. Um, working there is pretty so pretty pretty easy. Starbucks, because I always try to find a Starbucks because you can usually depend on the Wi-Fi. Uh, they put a two-hour limit on you. Uh, there's a couple that I found that actually don't do a limit, but I think it's just random. But work, the Wi-Fi is good. Working there is good. And then after Manila, I flew down to Cebu. Is a, I think that's down the islands, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then from there, took a bus... To this very, very small town. Very small town, which was really cool. You know, stayed right on the beach, $10 a day. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was paradise for, for 10 bucks a day. Uh, it, it was the only re- Western resort. So whoever was staying there was Western. And then the rest of the surrounding area was all local. So you could walk into town, go to the market. I, I stopped and played, uh, local volleyball with some of the locals. So it was cool. Uh, sw- swam with whale sharks. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. So you can do that. It's a bit touristy, but you get a lot of a lot of tourists from all over doing that. Um, the name of the town that I stayed in, if you guys are interested, is called Boloan. And the town that you swim with whale sharks is 30 minutes south of that called Oslop. So I've seen photos of that. Yeah. Is it oh, so, uh, is that, is it just snorkeling or can you dive with them? Both. Okay. Yeah, you can do both. And are they just like – are they are the whale sharks – Coming up to you guys, or are you guys chasing them down on speedboats? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so the way it works is right off the coast there is their natural feeding grounds, but there's no way, you know, they migrate. So the locals feed them, so they keep coming back. Okay. And they, to a point where they keep coming back just about every day. Okay. So you can go any day and see whale sharks. Okay. Um, and you can snorkel with them, or you can um, scuba dive. Okay. So uh, 20 bucks. That's so cheap. Yeah, 20 bucks. Yeah, it was a real cool experience. Uh, the only thing you can't do is wear suntan lotion. So if you burn easily, okay. watch out. And the other tip is to go very early in the morning. I went at 6 a.m. Wow. If you don't, you're going to get a throng of, uh, Philippine, Chinese, and, and other Asian tourists. Tours, yeah. Man, like things like that, I wish they would just make it more expensive. Because yeah. I know, I mean, part of it is, you know, obviously you want everyone to be able to experience it. Right? Yeah. But the other part of it is when you have too many fucking people doing it for like a super low price, they're not really, you know, concerned about like conservation and like, you know, not freaking yeah. out, you know, like it just, it just becomes a fucking mess, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm, I try to be a bit conscious on that. You know, I see the photos of people posing with like t- drug tigers yeah. and stuff like that and not a big fan. Uh, you know, I didn't see anything that was like morally wrong with how yeah. they were treating, you know, they were feeding them. And as far as I could see, they, that was all they were doing. Okay. You know, whether yeah. or not that hurts them yeah. because they rely too much on it. Yeah. I mean, it's not the I'm best, not sure. but it's, it's it like, that sounds like it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, I've heard in China, they fucking have a leash on the whale shark. Come on. They fucking tie the tail. Come on. Which is terrible. <laughs> you got to be kidding. Or it was either that or they had like nets like around it or some, some bullshit. Yeah. No nets. Yeah. No nets. Uh, you know, there's just, what a guy, a guy, one of the locals, he gets in a kayak and he just starts feeding them uh, whatever yeah. they eat. I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not natural, but, you know, yeah. it's like, it's all right. But I th- so the reason why I want it to be more expensive is, first off, I want it to be kind of more of a, 
I, I think it'd be better for not only the animals, but also the people. Because if you make it a big deal, people, they think about it more. They, they, they like, they care about it more. And they don't treat it as like a amusement park kind of ride. Yeah. While when it's 20 bucks or something that like people kind of just do like, you know, just they, they don't want to think about. Then that's when people, you know, start like touching them or they start like, you know, doing like, you know, just doing things that aren't good. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's guys that will start yelling at you because you can't chase them because it could agitate the shark, obviously. Don't want to agitate sharks, even though they're, they're uh, plankton eaters. Uh, they're massive, you know, they're 20, 30, 25 feet or whatever they are. Uh, you can't touch them, you know. So there's people in the water watching you. So. When you're snorkeling with them, you can't. You just kind of they'll bring them to you rather than you go see them. But overall, that that sounds like a like a decent. It was real cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. It is cool. So, what do you think of the Philippines as a whole? I liked it, man. The weather's great. So you know, if you like sunshine and blue skies, you're you're in for a good good time. The small town I was in was awesome. You know, I had been traveling through cities, so it was great to get out of that uh, for a bit and just kind of relax and reset the the mind frame mindset um you know and then after after Oslob after Cebu I went over to Bohol which is where you'll find the chocolate hills okay uh which is kind of like a Philippine staple it's this formation of a bunch of rounded hills that turn a brown color to make them look chocolate uh it's, it's cool to see and um and I also saw the Targiers which are the biggest eyed mammals they have the biggest eyes compared to their bodies. Yeah. I'm trying to I, I, yeah. I, I've only seen photos of them, yeah. but they look they're cool, right? cool, man. They're like the size of your palm, and their eyes yeah. are like the size of your fist. <laughs> you Where did you see those? They have this cool sanctuary. So okay. there's two. You, you know, we're talking about, you know, treating the animals right. So keep this in mind. There's uh, the Tarjir Sanctuary, which is good. And then there's, I can't remember what it's called, Tarjir Zoo or something like that. That's bad. That's bad. Okay. Um. This one, they don't have any fences, so they come and go naturally. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Uh, and they monitor them. They have like eight that they see frequently, oh. and they have guys that actually go out each morning to try and spot them because they don't keep tags on them or anything like that. And spotting these things are not oh, hard, easy. Yeah. Like, they were pointing them out to me, and I still couldn't see Wow. Them. That's cool. Yeah. So that I'm like super supportive of, and I think that's kind of a shout to ecotourism and sustainable tourism yeah. is – by you guys traveling, it is our responsibility to do a little bit of research. It only takes a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and just see if that's a sustainable thing. Because just like the trekking with elephants in Thailand, there are sustainable ways to do it and yeah. then terrible ways to do it. Yep. Yep. All right. I so agree. I like that. So uh, pros and cons of the Philippines? Anything, anything you don't like? Uh, outside of Manila, not great Wi-Fi. Okay. So from a working standpoint, it wasn't wasn't the best of places. Had a lot of issues uh, on the islands with with Wi-Fi, um, but you know Manila is worth a day or two, nothing more than that, yeah. unless you really are a city person. Uh, but the islands are where it's at, and there's okay. a ton of islands. You know, there's thousands of islands. I've only been to two of them. A uh, couple of other ones that probably people have heard of are like Boracay, Palawan. Uh, I didn't get to go, but I've heard really good. Photos of beautiful white yeah, sand beaches. Exactly. I haven't been yet. I've only been to the north of the Philippines and. The rice fields, Banawe. It's beautiful. Yeah. Bit of Manila is okay. Yeah. I don't like the food in the Philippines at all. No. It, well, it's simple. Like, the they, the town I was in didn't really have... It, it didn't have a single restaurant. That's how small this town was, right? It had a food market and then these little stalls. Uh, and they served chicken and, and rice and different vegetables. That's about it. How was the food in Manila? 
Um, I, nothing really stands out. I can't yeah. remember any of the meals. So I think overall, must have been great. So I, I love my Filipino <laughs> friends and, and listeners, and I know how proud you guys are of uh, your country. Stop telling people your food is good. It sucks. <laughs> Like, uh, nobody likes Filipino food except for Filipinos. Yeah. And one thing I will say, not about the food, but on location, if you are planning to go to the Philippines, uh, Boho will be very much, very much more touristy. Whereas the island um, just across the bay there, which is Cebu, but the town is called Oslob, uh very less touristy. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so definitely on my list of places to go. Um Filipino people were super nice. Yeah, yeah. Had a great time there. Yeah. Country, no issues. I think the country, it's like, it's kind of like Taiwan where people should go. Just, it's not as popular as Thailand or Vietnam, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not sure the reason on that. It might be getting to some of the islands is kind of a pain in the ass. Mm. Uh, you, I mean, you can get flights, but if you're, if you're, Doing a budget travel thing, it can, you know, you're taking ferries and buses and flights and everything else. So, uh, a couple long travel days getting from one island to the next, uh, but nothing too. Okay. Too crazy. Um, quick shout out to March Brenwall, who spoke at the Nomad Summit. And she was the Filipino VA who <laughs> used to make two bucks an hour. And now she's making like seven grand and she has her own VAs. Her talk is now live along with all the other talks uh, at Nope. I guess uh, I don't even know it's on nomadsummit.com. I think just go to the YouTube and look for Nomad Summit. Watch that video. I, I think I think that one's gonna go viral. I think once Filipino people in the Philippines, especially the VAs, start seeing it, I think they're gonna start spreading it. She she was she was my favorite talker at the, the summit, hands down. Yeah, that, it's such an inspirational story. If you guys haven't seen it, go watch it and, and share it. It's funny too. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just like just cool that she was doing business. You know, like the way that her mindset with business. So speaking of, of business, so you've been traveling now for the last four months, went to yeah. six, seven countries, and I know that you were doing it, you know, on a backpacker's budget, but you're still flying around, you're still, you know, eating good food and all this stuff. Yeah. Were you was your were your Josh stores able to sustain and, and pay for all that? Uh yes. So over the past three months when I've been traveling here, um, I have three drop shipping stores right now. Uh so working on them and tr- and traveling has been kind of a it hasn't gone as smoothly as I like, but um, I've gone two out of three the last three months, meaning that two stores have been profitable, one hasn't, unfortunately. Um, but they flip flopped. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's so I, I'm I'm in the in the process of just ironing it out and, and trying to figure out what what's making them click one month and, and not click the next month. Do you uh, think that that's a good thing that you have multiple stores where that you, you're allowed for that to flip flop, or do you think it's bad that maybe you weren't paying attention to them enough? I think you just hit on the pro and the con. Okay. Um, I'm definitely sp- spread myself too thin. I, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, managing three stores is a nightmare, especially with the suppliers and orders and customer support. Uh, you know, I, there's been times where I've answered the call and I've said the wrong store name because wow, yeah. you know it's just like kind of stuff like that. So um, I don't regret starting the stores because I think they all three can be profitable and they're very very close in doing so on a consistent basis um but i could probably use some help uh but i'm not ready to to hire at this point okay yeah they should hire a va <laughs> <laughs> at least outsource your customer service yeah it would be so you know I, I uh for the customer support thing i really think being stateside would be i, I get so many emails and, and calls 
in the middle of the night yeah. when, I, when I'm just not available. So it's kind of disheartening because especially in China, you know, I, I did the math yeah. and I lost lost a couple thousand in sales just because I couldn't you couldn't get on the phone. Fo- I couldn't get on the phone. Yeah. You know, the Wi-Fi connection wasn't strong enough for me to jump on the phone. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, even if you're just going to share one phone number between the three of them and just have it be like a, a generic service, just get the smallest plan at com- conversation all the guys I use. And like they give you the first one for free anyway. So just like try it. it like it might What's work. What's it called? Conversational. Conversational. Um, for you guys at home, if you guys want a month for free, go to dropshiplab.com slash discounts. And in the PDF, there's a link to that. Yeah. So yeah, it's like ever since I hired somebody, you know, and you know, whether you do it through them or a different service or you hire someone full time yourself, it, it makes your life so much easier if you're not answering the phone calls yourself. Yeah. The phone calls and the, the, the emails are killing me right now. Just time. You know, it's like I've got my my whole list of things I need to do, and then every morning everything gets pushed down the list because I've got to reply to all these yeah. other emails that came came through. Even running one dropshipping store while traveling is, is hard enough. Yeah, running multiple is it, like it's it's a it's nightmare. Exactly. Now that I'm settled down here in Bali and I've got a good connection, you know, it's it, it's doable. You know, even having three stores, it's doable. Um, but it's a full time job. But it's full time job. And I I think that's why. Most of the the jo- other joshing partners sold their stores early. Yeah, like I think all of us went into it thinking like, oh, all of us have you know one profitable store. Let's do another one together. It should be easy. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it wasn't. There's nothing easy about it. it you know, following you, you can go through any course or you know directions from another person, but you know the people that are su- successful are the people that work their asses off. That, Speaking that's of which, the defining yeah. The, the defining characteristic. So aside from you, so so that that store that that you built during the partnership, yeah, is that is that was that profitable? Uh, March it was. Okay, and I haven't run the numbers yet, but I think we're going to actually do all right in it uh, because we did about ten grand in sales. Nice, uh, which was which is a good thing. Well, yeah, it's always a that's good great thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, awesome. It's always a good thing. Um, yeah, I had a really good March, and we're learning a lot about the niche because we had a, a dead month in January mm. and not much has changed you know i've tinkered with the the ad structure uh, i've tinkered with different things on the website uh, but i don't think you go from zero to 10 grand without it being uh, for a different reason so you know just learning about the products that we're selling and, and everything else and um you know that really helped in march well congratulations thanks yeah. for all your hard work yes appreciate it uh so the More other person the other partner that's i think i think he's doing really well i haven't talked to him in a while but the last time i spoke to sebastian his his story that he built during the partnership is crushing it. Yeah, I should talk to him. I've but been he in a while. is a hard worker. Yeah, I, I have no idea how he does it. Yeah, lots of coffee. He works his ass off, and not that the other guys didn't work their ass off. It's that well, I think it's two things. One is like priorities. So yeah. other people had their like YouTube channel they're trying to build up, or blog they're trying to build up, or yeah. like they're trying to do this other thing, and they're trying to do this other thing, and they just didn't have the focus. Yep. Uh, while Sebastian is like, you know, this German machine where he just like, <laughs> yeah, time to crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seabass, man, he, he, he gets down to it. Like, he goes into focus mode and he can put in a long session. Yeah. So, shout out to Sebastian. I uh, hope to have him on the on the show next time I see him. Do you know where he is? He, uh, gosh, man, he he just, I think he sold everything Yeah. Uh, back home in Germany and he's going to hit the road. I think he's headed to South America or something. Wow, like nice. That. Okay. Yeah. So, he's... He's following his dreams, so you know, to each their own, and yeah. good luck. I love it, I, and I love that we're all like just traveling and enjoying life. Yeah, I think there's so many people back home, probably most of Michigan, yeah, like, is dreaming about this. 
Oh man, but it's it's funny because you know, I, yeah, my family and friends are back in Michigan, and it's ten feet of snow, and I'm posting all these photos of sunshine and pretty people and and having fun, and people are just like, "What are you doing? Just enjoying." So the stupidest thing that I read online, and unfortunately, it was Peter Levels who popularized it because he's the guy behind Nomad List. I think it was him that wrote the dropshipping uh, life. Like dropshipping is a, is a scam, and people are targeting people in the Midwest in poor con- poor states like Michigan and trying to you know convince them to to sell all their stuff, move out to Thailand, and start a dropshipping store. And I responded saying, "You're a fucking idiot," but you are right. People in Michigan, not that anyone's <laughs> targeting them. But those people are fucking selling the shit and moving out here because they hate their fucking lives. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know about Michigan people hating their lives. I might have to disagree with you on that. In the uh, winter, I'm pretty sure they hate us. Well, I mean, if you're a skier or snowmobiler, some people live for the winter, right? Snow, uh, Ice fishing or something like that. But gosh, I haven't lived in Michigan for so long that I forget what, what it looks like. And I'm actually headed back for the summer because the summer is the complete nice. opposite of, of the winter. You know, all the lakes fall. <laughs> you can go boating. You can go golfing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I haven't spent the summer there in 10 years. Um, but, you know, as far as drop shipping being a scam, I mean, yeah, that, I, I don't even respond to that because it's, it's not worth, worth, worth my time. It, it's a simple it's, – it's a business model. It's a business model that Fortune 500 companies are using, have been using. Um, th- there's nothing scammy about it. It just doesn't, that, that whole, you know, when, when I see that, I'm like, okay, what, what method are you selling? Because it's the only way, that's the only reason you bash something, right? Is if you're trying yeah. to sell something else. I mean, I guess it could be that, but I think a lot of it is people just giving themselves an excuse why they aren't doing anything. Yeah. 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 You know, like, you know, I think people see photos of people like us traveling, having a good time. And then I don't want to say I don't even want to say bragging because it's not like any like you're not bragging about your success. You're just talking yeah. about how you found an alternative. But to somebody who really does hate their life and wishes they can travel, wishes they can do these things, they might be like, oh, like no, fuck these guys. Like you know, these guys you know must be doing something shady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always it's always easier to assume something like that than mm-hmm. to assume that uh, you know it's just built through something as simple as hardware. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why it's so cool to have people like you on the show because now we've had, what, 155, you know, maybe not 155 people, but we've had some repeats, but 130 different people who all make money online. Not all of them are dropshipping. A lot of them, you know, we have like doctors on, dentists on, we have people who do like Kindle publishing or Amazon FBA or all these other business models. There's probably, I would say, at least 50 different business models we've had on the show. So it just like proves that there are, at least 130 people traveling yeah. while working online, making enough money that they can continue this lifestyle. And these are the 130 people who I met in person and was willing to come on the podcast yep. for an hour. Like, imagine how many other people there are doing it. Yeah. No, I, it, it's amazing, right? Like, there's there's a million ways to make a dollar. Uh, you don't have to do it with dropshipping. You don't have to do it with eBay selling or, or affiliates. You can... There's, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of other ways to do it. So... Just figure out what you're good at. Yeah, and pick and, one. Just pick one. Yeah, and, and go all in. You know, you can't don't don't half ass it, right? You know, that's that's the thing. You can coast through it, um, and you probably won't see the result that you're expecting. But if you really, you know, someone told me, you know, it wasn't until I started treating my side income as a business that it started to become a business. Yeah. So I mean, that kind of stuck with me, right? You know, until you really say, all right, 
this is either going to work or I'm going bust. Uh, until you kind of have that mind frame, you know, you're kind of just going to coast through. I like it. So I, I congratulate you for all your hard work and pushing through and making it. Yeah, making thank it work. you. Yeah, it's working so far. We'll see how the next 12 months go. I play it one month at a time. I, I, I have a feeling that you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's what's next for you after Bali? Uh, we missed one country oh, actually. Yeah. So I went from went from the Philippines to Brunei. Oh it, man, it's I, forgot easy. About, I forgot that it exists. It's easy to miss that one because it's so damn small. Tiny uh, country, but it, it's the last country in Asia, in East Asia, that I haven't been to. So it was cool to cross that okay. one off, off my list. So now I have everything um, east of Burma. Wow, I've, I've seen. Okay. Well, that's not true. I guess like Papua New Guinea. Yeah, is that yeah. part of the Pacific? Yeah, I yeah. think that's part of like Oceania. Okay, so. all right. Well, then Asia, I've got crossed off. Nice, congrats. Well, so Brunei, for those who don't know, is part of Borneo, which yeah. is a big island that consists of. Indonesia, Malaysia, and this little tiny country called Brunei. Yeah, yeah, and um, gosh, you know, I don't know too much about the history or, or, or how it came to be, but it's an oil country, so it's very wealthy. I think Brunei has one of the highest GDPs and one of the highest uh, per capitas, uh, 84,000, I think, is what sticks out to, in, in my mind. Um, but it's just like, ah, man, I really don't know how to explain it because you fly in and it's got one city, the capital, and it's so small. It, there's only 400,000 people in the nation. I mean, that's smaller than like a neighborhood in Singapore or Hong Kong or any of these other cities. Because well, Singapore is tiny. Yeah. It's smaller than that. No, you're saying landmass, not people-wise. Why? I don't know. I Singapore, no, Singapore is like six, seven million last time I knew. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, like, I guess landmass, it's, it's like, it's not big. No, Singapore is very a small. city. It's yeah, a okay. City island. Uh, but Brunei's got this. Yeah, it's just like a really chilled, laid-back vibe to it. Nothing's going real fast. You don't get the scooter mayhem that you get in all the other Southeast Asia cities. Um, very wealthy. It was cool. Expensive yeah, I, I spent, or? No, no. no. Uh, the accommodation was expensive. So it was the only time I paid over 15 I paid 20 That's still cheap, though. Yeah, so yeah. It's, and it was real cool. Stayed with the local guy, so he showed me around. Um, got me some, some of the local food. I can't remember what it was, but it was some sort of chicken and rice concoction, spicy. Um, yeah, it's a good good way to spend a couple of days. You know, you could you can do some nature treks that I didn't have a chance to do. Uh, go into the jungle and go hiking if that's your thing. Um, but other than that, yeah, that was the last spot. I like it. And so, fun fact: I've heard that the reason why Brunei is so small, even <laughs> though they are so rich and so powerful, is they actually gave a bunch of land to Malaysia, and I think they used to own that whole east coast yeah but they kept getting attacked by the philippines and they got sick of fighting them off so, <laughs> so they just yeah. gave that land to malaysia just have a yeah. like a buffer between them because like they're sitting on that like that magical spot with all the oil and they're like well we don't really need any more room yeah. let's just chill here yeah yeah i was a, to be honest i was a little nervous getting off the plane because prior in the airport i was doing a quick Wikipedia on Brunei. And apparently, they just implemented Sharia law a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm not a, a religious person. I don't know all the details. So, don't, no one quote me on any of this stuff. But, you know, when I hear Sharia law, I think of like Saudi Arabia. I think of some of the other Middle Eastern countries where women's rights and, you know, just like gruesome, um, you know, freedoms are trampled on, that kind of stuff. So, I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, if I step off, you know, the curb, am I going to get caned or something like that uh but it seemed to be very <coughs> lax like at first i was i'm definitely nervous because coming off the plane i was the only person in shorts and flip-flops very conservative country um 
but you go into the, the city there and there, there's plenty of people in shorts and flip-flops so it's nothing to, nothing to be worried about aside from just checking it off your list was it worth visiting yeah yeah if i went back it would be for a longer period of time and i would do the nature treks yeah i mean the city itself uh bandar whatever it was called the capital it's not worth seeing uh there's a couple of really cool temples but that takes half a day um yeah, if I were to go back, it'd be for nature. The nature? Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I guess we didn't really talk about Bali either. What, what do you think of here? I really like Bali. I think I told you the other day that I think I actually prefer it over Chiang Mai just wow. for the fact that uh, it has an ocean, yeah. you know, and as simple as that is. But, you know, I like, I'm not a good surfer, but I like giving it my best try. Uh, so it's fun to, you know, either work in the morning and go for an afternoon surf sesh or, or do the opposite work in the afternoon and do a morning one uh it's a great way to spend the day in my opinion uh the weather's great the food's good the accommodation is cheap reasonable you know it's not anything crazier than you'll find in chiang mai um yeah i like bali the only thing you know it's kind of you were in chiang mai it's much easier to put your head down and get work done because everyone's got the same mindset here you've got half the people trying to get work done and the other half trying to party their their, their face off and I mean, in, to their own right, they're on vacation. So, you know, I, if I was on vacation, I'd be partying too. But uh, so it's it's balancing that, right? Because you can always find a place to go out and drink for the night. But, you know, it's, you've got to remember that there's still work to be done. So I, th- I think we talked about it a lot in the last two episodes. Uh, so you guys know my opinion on, on Bali. Yeah. But I, I, th- I think I tend to agree where I would not come here to put your head down and try to start a new business or crush your business. I would come here for a balance of being able to just enjoy the beach and yeah. then, you know, find a cafe and still kind of just maintain whatever you're doing now. Yep. Yep. Much easier to do that in Chiang Mai. You know, yeah. pull the 10, 12 hour days if you, if you. Yeah, definitely. And the infrastructure in Chiang Mai is still better. Yes. The, yeah. Way yeah, better. The roads are, yeah. the roads are a little bit nuts here. And yeah, I don't know if you guys have looked on maps or, you know, checked out Johnny's post, but the way it works is like they've got these, this main road that runs perpendicular to the beach or parallel to the beach and then you've got these finger roads coming down but they don't connect you know there's like one through way to get to three streets and it's just and it doesn't fit two cars <laughs> so it's just like it's the worst like, design yeah, it's, ever it's getting from a to b shouldn't you know we're, we're less than a mile from everywhere we want to go but it's still a 10 10 minute bike ride or wait longer or like, longer way longer or longer <laughs> but yeah so i think i like it here uh, a couple months at a time you know lucky enough to extend our trip yeah. but not i don't like it enough to to live here full time definitely not no no all right cool that was fun all right yeah thanks for for the update yeah thanks I'm, for I'm, having me i'm uh, excited not only that you're doing well but you're also just enjoying your travels i think yeah. that's the whole point of this lifestyle right it is well for me anyway you know i've there's 196 countries i, I i'd like to see all of them at some point uh, and if I can, if I can make a buck while I do it, yeah. then even better. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they'd be happy just making enough to continue it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's the thing. You know, I, I've been in this position where I, I had that high paying corporate job and, you know, for a time it's satisfying and it just kind of wore off on me. You know, it doesn't wear off on everyone. Yeah. You know, I'll be the first to say to each their own. Uh, but you know, just, just didn't do it anymore. So, you know, here I am. Here you Living are, one buddy. month at a time. <laughs> and if you guys want to know more about how Tyler started his businesses or how he started traveling, go back to episode 139. Listen to that episode. Yep. Where we went into that in detail. 
Yeah. Uh, any other ways for people to find you and get in touch? Yeah, I've got a blog. It's uh, lifeoftie.com. Life-of-tie.com. You love those dashes, right? I, I got dashes, man. Like, everything else was taken. You okay. know, my name was taken. The other cool, you know, little uh, sayings were taken. So, it's life dash of dash time. <laughs> I like it. All right. And thank you guys all for not only listening and subscribing, but also for leaving these great reviews of the podcast on iTunes. This is the reason why more and more people in your position find this podcast. So tell your friends and do me a favor. Go on the iTunes app, leave a review. Uh, this week, I would like to give a shout out to Darta R from Lathia. Five stars. This podcast has been with me from the very beginning of the journey to financial freedom. It is a constant inspiration with a great variety of guests that have achieved their own freedom and share their journey. In an environment where most of us are trying to break out of the nine to five, are alone in the journey, it's crucially and it's crucial to stay motivated. Thank you, Johnny, for providing this great content and companionship and inspiration. So thank you, uh, Darta, and also big shout out to our sponsor, Trip Streak where next time you guys need to book a flight to maybe one of the countries that Ty just came back from or really anywhere, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. I'll check that out myself. Yeah. And I'll see all you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.